do you speak any Spanish? I do not speak any Spanish. I took French, but I, uh, uh, Randy speaks a little Spanish. Oh, does she? Yeah. We should have her come yeah. in and talk about this with us. I took six years of Spanish in high school and pretty much none of it has stuck. Well, that's all about French. I can say I need to bother you. Limpiar los parabrisas, uh, which is the unconjugated to clean the windshield wipers. I know that. That's important. It is. But if you're looking to connect with the 572 million Spanish speakers in the world, which yeah. frankly we should. Right? God. Here's the people who've got it all worked out. The Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. Every week, Tamara Marie brings you one step closer to fluency by making language learning fun and effortless. Oh, come on. Who doesn't love fun and effortless? I love fun and effortless, but this, this is That was so your nickname smart. in high school, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Still is. <laughs> no, but it's... She's so smart because it takes you through not just the, you know, you don't learn the boring stuff. You learn the stuff you're really going to use. And it's all about culture and music and stuff that we would talk about if we knew how to speak Spanish. Right. Or should I say C? So you can delete all of your, your Rosetta Stones, your other language learning apps, and listen to authentic Spanish that you can use in actual real life conversations. I I have never had to tell somebody in Spanish that they need to clean their windshield wipers. So you can subscribe to Learn Spanish Con Salsa right now. And you can find new episodes every single Tuesday, which is perfect. You can download us on Monday and then learn Spanish on Tuesday. So by Wednesday, you have learned something and you've listened to our show. So <laughs> everyone wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs> You can find the Learn Spanish Consulsa podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Why is recorded in front of a live studio audience? I thought we were buying time here to like kind of. Yeah, well, no, I was no. actually, you know, paying attention to our conversation, sort of multitasking. Oh, yeah, that's why it seems strange. I know it's very bizarre. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a real rarity, but every it's, now and yeah. again. I do. Thank God I was recording so we could have this moment preserved for posterity. This is Why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. And you're, so you're getting the vaccine on Friday? First round on Friday. Right. Are you nervous at all? I was. I probably still am. But mm -hmm. I also... No, it's what else are you gonna do? Right. Do you think you could FaceTime me in so I can see this? I should. And we could record it for the show. Yeah, because I'm such a baby. I had a physical today. It was the funniest thing ever. I'm such a wuss. Were you crying? Oh, I can't you see I'm getting my blood drawn. <laughs> I did pretty well, but the funny thing is my at my doctor's office in the room where they do the blood draws, on this fridge they have pictures of like an island and a beach. Mm -hmm. And on this wall, it's not the hang in there kitten, but they have kitty cats, like cute, adorable okay. kitty cats. Are they in the basket? So I, I, think, I think they might be in the basket. Yeah, but they gotta I, be sat, in the basket. I sat in there today and I looked and I looked to the right to look at the kitty cats. Mm -hmm. No kitty cats. I'm like, where's uh -oh. the cat poster? I was the... livid. Guys, I'm come like, on. Where's the cat poster? They're like, the one lady's like, I didn't work here then. I'm sorry. I'm like, how can the cat poster be gone? So yeah. then I go look at the island, but that made me sad 
because I can't go to the island. I can snuggle no. kitty cats, but I can't. Every, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's very, very true. It's terrible. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize on it's their okay. behalf. I apologize. I appreciate your being a trooper. I know. I can't decide whether I'm going to be more of a baby about getting the shot or more mm-hmm. excited because I'm getting it done at the fire department. Ooh, can I? I want to put money on this. How does one get into extreme pogoing? You grow up pogoing and you just thought, there's got to be a better way to do this. So, yeah, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I was really into basketball, but I kind of liked um, like the street ballers. Like, I don't know if you ever saw And One Street Ball. Like Space Jam, kind of? Yeah, like <laughs> they, they were more like like the Harlem Globetrotters rebooted in a cool okay. way. So they would always do like trick dunks. So I, I wanted to do trick dunks. And um, I saw the trampoline guys. I don't know if you've ever seen the guys who jump off trampolines and do dunks. Like, mm-hmm. with tricks. Yeah, so I kind of was into that for a little bit. And then my dad just stumbled across these pneumatic pogo sticks that were online. And I was kind of like, that's how I'm going to do these dunks. And... uh but then I realized, you know, I did a few dunks or whatever, put them up on YouTube. And then I kind of realized, like, there's a whole culture behind this. And people just do extreme pogo sticking by itself. What's your, I mean, how do you even train for this? Because what you're doing, the photos and the video are completely insane. Is there like a gradual process to get up to what looks like jumping off a building? Yeah, so it's a very it's definitely a very steep learning process. That's kind of like the difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to teach people how to pogo because it's basically like if you were to put someone who's never skateboarded on top of the mega ramp and just be like, go for it. We all started on like little pogo sticks and kind of the best way to learn is to, you know, slowly uh, increase how high you're going over the course of, you know, years. And so what was the learning curve for you? Like, when did you kind of feel like I'm ready to take this out and show this to people? Or are you just in the backyard with friends, you know, doing flips and stuff? Yeah, no, I was just in the backyard. Um, making YouTube videos was kind of a big part of our our community. So I was, you know, in the backyard. My dad would help me, like, try to do flips into mud. We had a big mud pile in our backyard. And um, that's kind of all I did with it for a while until it kind of became a few of the older guys turned it into a company and they were like, Hey, we can do shows. Like I never really thought of, you know, pogoing for people to see it. It, The thing I was curious about, you know, this is an extreme sport. I'm assuming that's what the X stands for an X pogo. How extreme is it if one of the biggest dangers while on a pogo stick is hitting a patch of uneven dirt. Oh man. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's definitely like, it's by far the most dangerous thing I've ever done in my life, <laughs> but can you name some other dangerous things you've done just so we can compare and contrast? <laughs> I've tried pretty much every extreme sport. And you know, the thing, like I said earlier, the thing with uh, pogo sticking is it's just not chill at all. Like there's no cruising altitude. So, um, 
yeah exactly so it's just you kind of have to take it really slow and um it's a lot different than what you would think if you were gonna try it so how did the evolution come from doing all this crazy stuff in the back and figuring out how to do it to becoming part of the team so basically what had happened for me was i went for my first backflip into mud right and my dad and i basically just eat it like <laughs> whiplash into the ground oh. and uh I put, I put it up on youtube and this company bought it for me for like a couple thousand dollars to put on their tv show and um and i was like wow i just made money for landing on my face basically and then um right when that happened i kind of was like oh maybe i could like do some sort of thing where i make money on the side from this and there's this competition it's our main competition every year it's called pogo palooza mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and so i showed up to that event and that was pogo palooza eight i believe back in 2011 and it was right when the older guys who had been doing the sport for a little bit longer than me decided to turn this into a company and they you know asked me if i wanted to do like a music video so that was my first like real gig where i made you know money for going out to new york to go for the band bronze radio return i don't know if you've ever heard of them but and then it just turned into fairs and then we'd get gigs from like you know college basketball games and then it turned into nba games and then we did oh, oh. america's got talent so it just kind of gradually increased the more shows we did the more high profile stuff we did with the youtube videos do you make more money if it's a successful attempt or unsuccessful uh i make no money on youtube videos oh, the first fair. yeah the first one where I landed on my face was the only one I got. I think I just got lucky. Yeah, beginner's luck. Yeah, yeah exactly. So what exactly, how is Pogo Palooza run? Is it a judging competition? Is it by points? Is the North Korean judge really difficult? Or is it a, like a time trial type kind of thing? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So Pogo Palooza has three main events. Um, the first one's high jump. It's pretty self-explanatory. You just mm -hmm. set up like a high jump bar and you try to jump over it. Uh, the second one is best trick. And you basically have an hour to everyone just, it's free for all. Everyone's just going for the biggest trick they can possibly try. And um, that's kind of judged by older pogo stickers who don't really do it as much. And um, they just kind of, it's also pretty unanimous because everyone understands like what everyone else is doing. So it's mm -hmm. pretty unanimous when someone does, you know, something crazy that you can't believe. And then the main event is called freestyle. And basically it's much like you would see a skateboarding or BMX competition in the X games where you have a minute to go around this obstacle course to, you know, put together the most flowy, uh, technical lines or tricks without falling in a minute. That sounds daunting. Yeah, and then we also have some uh, other things, like on the side, there's usually a couple people who are into, you know, seeing who can break the world record for 
fastest mile or most jumps consecutively on a pogo stick. So there's a lot of stuff happening all at once and it's super fun event. So what's your signature move if there is one? What's the thing you're you're best known for? Well, the thing I'm best known for was the double stick flip and I just landed at Last Pogo Palooza. Um, it's a trick that I feel like we've all been trying since we all started, basically. You jump up in the air and you swing it around twice, the mm-hmm. pogo stick itself. Okay. And so, you know, as everyone can do single stick flips, and uh, we always dreamed of doing doubles, but it's just so heavy, and I just kind of got super lucky. I had a bunch of coffee. I was really hyped up, and uh, and I've been practicing it all year as well, so um, I was able to do that, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to do that again. <laughs> hey, you did it once. That's all yeah. that matters. As a legend is is there. That's fantastic. I, I wouldn't even know where to start to try to do something like that. <laughs> Very small. Like I always <laughs> recommend whenever I'm at a fair, there's always like, a, you know, some guy who's had a few beers and he's like, I bounced on a pogo stick. Like, let me try that. And I just have to explain to him, like, this is not a trampoline, like, if you hit the wrong angle, like you said, like a patch of dirt or something, you could lose, you know, all your teeth. So yeah. <laughs> start on the kid's pogo stick and work your way up. And what kind of injuries are you seeing apart from eating dinner through a straw for a few months? <laughs> um, yeah, there's so many, like literally everything ever. You know, I've, I've fractured, for me personally, I've fractured both my kneecaps, knocked out teeth concussions and then the big one that everyone loves to ask me about is i ruptured my urethra because oh. i you know oh. yeah ah. so, yeah that, that's a thing and yet you still love the sport oh for sure i mean i kind of <laughs> i'm a pretty out I don't, I don't even know how to describe myself but it it makes it more fun when it's a little more adrenaline and uh and uh, there's, I mean, the the better I get at it, the less I get injured, obviously, knock on wood. But um, it's just, it's all about body control. And you're able to learn more about your body by, like, going through, you know, maybe a smaller injury. Of course, you never want a big injury, but you learn, like, how to move your body in certain ways and how to rehab from it. And um, nothing that's ever, you know, made me want to quit has ever happened so and i'm guessing most of the injuries are not going up it's coming down exactly like you you could hit your head on a ceiling or like a low flying plane or something but that doesn't really happen i i hate to go back to what probably was a very painful day for you what does rupturing one's urethra feel like I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. 
Oh, yeah. So it's actually, it wasn't too bad. Um, oh, so okay. I was, yeah, it, it's just like, it's one of those, you know, novelty injuries that everyone's like, I bet you, you know, got racked on the pogo stick. And I'm like, yes, I did. But I was at a stampede, and apparently it's a super common injury for bull riders because um, your urethra kind of goes right under there. Right. And so they they had all of the medical staff, like, prepared specifically for that injury. And um, so everyone thought I was just a bull rider, and it, it kind of worked out for me. Yeah, that's yeah. probably the only time you – can describe that as lucky <laughs> some of the tricks a lot of the tricks the the names are just a description of what the trick is there's the one foot peg grab there's the under the leg bar there's something called the can can which i'm presuming is designed by a frenchman have you ever considered kind of creating your own signature move and giving it some cool name it's sort of like the dinner roll or the Russ. Do you have a the Russ? <laughs> no, okay. we have a trick called the Russ butt. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, you put your butt on the foot pegs and kind of ride it like a witch's broom. Okay. <laughs> but I've, I've, never, I've never done that. That was just my friend being silly. No, if what I've read online is true, there are 13 world records held by your fellow expo-goers. Do you hold any of these records? Have you attempted any of these records? So I held a world record for about five minutes, um, and then I got beaten. <laughs> but wow. um, it, it was for most jumps in a minute. But I've been practicing. I've been spending a lot of time working on training for the highest front flip and the fastest mile on a pogo stick. So it's on my radar to do those two this year. But you know, like, uh, I just haven't been able to keep one. So that's definitely like one of my goals this year is to get a world record in something. So I'm assuming you just practiced around your neighborhood usually. Yeah, just literally anywhere. I like to go to cities. Um, I try to go up to like Baltimore or, you know, Pittsburgh is really great for, you know, street scenarios and, um, we actually pogo on turf fields a lot because it's kind of like a training ground. You don't get hurt as bad as cement and um, it's harder to slip out. So turf is really a big thing for pogo stickers. Do you find you have an audience when you're practicing? Do people just start watching you and staring at what you're doing? Oh yeah. I can't even like, even if I don't start pogoing, I'm just holding it. I usually have at least five people staring at me. So you get used to it, <laughs> okay. but. <laughs> have you seen that spread i know you guys have performed all around the world is the legend of expogo uh translating to our friends overseas yeah definitely we have um a whole group of french pogo stickers now and um <clears throat> so they're they've been progressing over the past few years and they've actually gotten really good and we also have uh, some new guys out in Iran who are just getting into the sport too. And then we have one Russian who's been there since day one. And uh, he's a crazy, he's madman. Wow. Not to stereotype a whole group of people, but do the French stop smoking while they're on their pogo stick or do they just keep going? 
Oh, man, I wish they would smoke on the poker stick. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Is there a particular country that's sort of the country to beat that's the, the big rival? Um, no, most of the people who do it are in the U.S. I would just say Russia, just because our one Russian guy, Dmitry, is definitely like one of the best all time. And so he's always, you know, he, he's the only one who would uh, really like be in the beaten any of the top guys for sure. He's pretty incredible. Yeah. Are wow. you listening, Dmitry? Watch your urethra. They're coming for you. <laughs> Regard, I don't know when, and I'm sure you similarly feel like you don't know when the next big show is going to be, when Pogo Palooza is going to be held, given everything that else is going on in the world. Once everything gets back up and kind of everyone can just Pogo like it's 1999, <laughs> what's the next big step for you and for the sport? You said you're aiming for a world record. And... Yeah, um, I think the next big step for me personally, as well as some of the guys that I work with, in pogo sticking is creating um you know a big content piece where it's almost like uh more focused on pushing the tricks and the boundaries of x pogo um instead of focusing on like the novelty like yeah we can do a backflip you know obviously at any nba halftime show and that's great but sure. we really want to push the sport sure in terms of like it would be stuff that most people wouldn't you know understand like you would see it go under your leg and be like oh that was cool but it was actually a completely different trick and um you know just for the future like if people i want to make a video where like kids 30 years from now who really get into pogo sticking catch all those nuances and see all those little things that we pushed and progressed so that you know, they have like a baseline of what the sport is instead of just, you know, a bunch of guys doing backflips. Like usually the flips are the easy part. So when does the moment of joy and sort of elation come for you? Is it in the midst of a trick thinking, oh, this is going all right? Or are you so focused on the various steps required to complete the trick and not kill yourself that it's only afterwards when you're like, wow, that was really oh, cool. Yeah, for me, um, for me, it kind of happens right when whenever i get the chance to pogo like uh you know i'm always ex a little more excited when i land a trick or something but just being able to pump up my pogo stick with air and start bouncing is really you know what feels good for me and um everything that comes along with it whether it be anxiety from the trick or you know frustration from trying something a million times um I, I find joy in all of it, so there's never, uh, there's, there's really no parts that I don't enjoy. For more information, you can find Expogo on Twitter, at Expogo. You can visit their website, expogo.com, and if you search Expogo on YouTube, you can see video of Russ and the rest of the team doing a ton of things that you probably should be not trying to do yourself. You can follow us on all the various socials. Our website is whythepodcast.com and has all sorts of additional stories and videos. It's also where you can sign up for our newsletter. We're also on YouTube if you're into that kind of thing. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes, because if you don't, 
will call your mother and tell her that she's completely right. You would look so much prettier if you smiled more. Why the Podcast is part of Mudhouse Media. Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sovey and Sandy Stone. Our willing executive producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mastonen. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynth Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here? Nigel.